All right, if you would please open to Genesis chapter 1. That should be pretty easy for everybody to find. Not one of those little minor prophet things where Genesis, right at the beginning of the Bible, you probably never paged through the preface pages of your Bible before, and now you get to do that this morning. Genesis 1, we're going to look through a few verses, but just consider God as creator this morning. As I said, we're beginning a series that we've anticipated starting uh, entitled Called, where we have been created by God, we have been captured by his son, and we have been commissioned in his spirit to live a life that draws attention to God and specifically draws attention to the purpose and the order with which that he brought about everything when he created it. So that is our, our, our focus as we go into this study. And we'll take uh, probably most, most of the next few months going through it. But God's word says, Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. There was light. God saw the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Now jump down to verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to the kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Lord, we submit to you uh, the authority of your word. We ask that you would bring about life in us as we hear your preached word. Uh, I remember as a boy channel surfing through the five or six channels that we had back then. And you actually, I saw this little meme that said, when I was your age, I had to walk 10 feet through shag carpet to change the channel. <laughs> like, that's appropriate. That's very good. Uh, I, in just going over those six channels, and you remember you had to type them in? It wasn't TVs later on, you had the little channel arrow, a button. You had to like type in each one. Well, I would get to channel 12. Growing up in New Orleans, that was PBS. Uh, I, I never knew this, I would come across this man uh, who had an, as white dude have an afro, and he was always painting something. You know, I never knew his name, 
until Netflix picked up his series and started showing it. His name's Bob Ross. And now today, Bob Ross is a boss. But we remember, I, I remember watching Bob Ross and, and with seeming, seemingly effortless strokes, doing something on a camera, talking very smooth. I still watch it and stare. How do you see, how do you bring a tree from just doing these little white strokes like that? They did it. Effort, beautiful landscapes. But it all started with a blank canvas. It all started with nothing. And uh, it both inspired me and irritated me. It irritated me because I'm not an artist. And no matter what art teacher extraordinaire Maria Gatto will tell you, uh, everyone cannot paint and draw. We know, you, you, you feel like me, like, <laughs> it doesn't work. And my, like, my hand locks up and I can't do anything. That's what happens. But I was, I was also inspired by watching that. Now, watching the, the reruns on Netflix, it inspired me uh, to be awed by the artistic process. From all we can see, artists bring something out of nothing. There's a blank canvas and all of a sudden, after several hours or days, there's something. But they really aren't bringing something from nothing. They're using created things to replicate creation. They're giving a picture of what they've seen or, or what they can imagine of what's already been created. But their work gives concepts to how God brought everything that we see into being. He is the greatest artist of all, revealing himself on the canvas of the universe and our lives. Creation is the expression of his existence and how we should frame our concepts of him. And I love the fact that he is more creative than we can even comprehend. He's just a creative God. Now this series on calling is meant to draw our attention to the glory of God's purpose for our lives as we walk out life as his redeemed. And our starting point to understand our purpose is God's creative acts in designing us for his glory. Now, here's our, our big caption for today. We want to extol, praise the greatness of God's creative work so we are brought yet again to praise him again and again and again in his glory. So just three concepts for us to consider that we see in Genesis 1, order, variety, and beauty. Now, we see an order in this, and I didn't read through the whole thing, uh, the whole chapter, but there's an order in the days that are represented here of God in, in his creative works, in his creative process. What's happening is he's going from general to very specific in his created order. And it's laid out in order for us to know that God operates uh, within a system all to himself. He establishes the order. He created what was one day one to what he did on those days. He created those things. He uh, established those things. And he exists outside of our system of order as creatures. He created the order we have that we exist in. He existed before all of us. He will always exist. It's one of those mind-blowing concepts that if you think, you have to make yourself think God has always been. So what was before God? God was before God. All right, what was before God, before God? God was before God, before God. So when you begin to think either uh, in past that God's always been there or even to the future that we will be in heaven with him in his presence forever, 
and ever. Like our minds have this little point where it just kind of ends. We have to remind ourselves, no, it keeps on going. There's a forever, and it's not going to be boring. It's going to be wonderful. Jesus is there, and we get to, we get to create there with God, I believe. We're, and then there's, man, I could totally chase a trail there. I don't want... Wow, all right. It's going to be really cool. We're going to create, we're going to work, we're going to rule with Christ, and it's going to be awesome. Now, uh, please understand, God has never been lonely, and that's why he created everything, so he could have something to toy with or play with or uh, man and woman to interact with. Like he wasn't sitting around going, I really am bored and I have nothing to do. Maybe I'll create something called male and female and interact with them. No, God, remember, he is revealed as existing as three. So he has had perfect fellowship and joy and love in the relationship that he enjoys within himself. So that's not, that wasn't lacking and that's why he created everything. He is self Sufficient. He is self-efficient as well. And the order with which God creates the universe is what then we exist in. Now, his created order reveals his power to create. He creates light and he creates life. He creates out of nothing. Literally out of nothing. Truly out of nothing. He can't replicate. He originates. He brings it all about from his own mind. The teaching of God, creating everything out of nothing, remember, it's not, it's not an explanation for how God does it. It's a confession of the reality that God creates out of nothing. We just, we confess that. We agree with God saying that he creates out of nothing. And God's power to create out of nothing also means that he has no rival. He is the supreme being of all things. Some scriptures, we have Genesis 1, God creating everything. In Psalm 33, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap and puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. So we move through the Bible uh, to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So we have Genesis and Psalms and John and now Revelation. Worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. God made everything. He has the power to create. His created order also reveals his purpose. He commands, he creates light and life, and he also commands light and life. Each thing that God created has an intended function. Each, uh, when, when each created thing functions as it's intended to, it brings glory to God's wisdom because things work better. Like you... When you work, when you use things around your house the way they're supposed to be used, it usually goes better. It, it, when things connect together, when, when circuits are completed, it works. And when God creates everything, uh, each created thing functioning as God intended also provides a freedom 
So listen, as, as creatures and us, as we function as God wants us and intended for us to function according to his glorious and wise purpose over our lives, we experience the freedom that we long for and crave. And, a, and that freedom is the expression of God's glory. Now our culture, we live in a culture that says, look, you were born into a place you didn't have any say-so over and that become oppressive to you, so you need to find an expression that will free you. But they look for something other than God. So let me look inside of myself. If I go inside of myself, then I can find that expression to overcome the oppression and, and finally find a freedom well, God's word, and we'll look more at this next week, uh, more toward how, how sin has affected the, the power and the purpose that we seek and we long for, or to, to honor God. But just understand that as we function as God intends for us to function, we find the freedom that we long for and we crave. God's intended expression is his majesty, and when we function as he wants us to, we share in his majesty. Our freedom is within expressing God's purposeful and strategic glory, not in our own self-expression. Now, through discerning God's creation, which it really is the true definition of science, we are discovering God's creation, all that he's made. We see the revelation of purpose in, in just in, in the small things of plants taking in carbon dioxide and releasing oxygen, so everything else that breathes takes in oxygen and releases carbon dioxide, and we have this symbiotic uh, nature going on as God designed it. When it orders that way, it's good. And that's what God declared. His created order as reveals his power, reveals his purpose. It's also timeless. His created order is timeless and it's a blessing when it's embraced. We find the proclamation from God after each of his creative acts that it was good. The end of every day concluded with it was good. God said it was good. And then he was, we see him, this, this is a pleasure in his creation. And after the six days, he was very pleased. He said everything was very good. And this proclamation of good was for the creation to experience the blessing of its purposeful design. God said as everything is ordered and it's working and, and functioning as I've intended it with my purpose... There's blessing to be experienced. There's blessing with provision of food. There's blessing with ruling over creatures as commissioned to man. Now, there was an anticipation of blessing held out for all creation as it performed its role in God's order. Things need to be used for their intended purpose for greatest blessing. We can think from in every category of our lives. Things have to be used for their intended purpose in order to experience the greatest blessing. And again, the order of Genesis 1 is, it's not thrown out in Genesis 2 and 3. When everything falls, the order of Genesis 1 is being redeemed. That's where the story changes. That's where the tone changes. Sin seeks to repower and repurpose God's creation within a self-defined existence. We look, uh, we'll look uh, again, like I said, we'll look more at this next week, uh, of sin's effect on man causing us to repurpose ourselves, repurpose ourselves physically, repurpose ourselves emotionally, repurpose ourselves spiritually, repurpose ourselves mentally. All efforts to repurpose only cause more constraint and convince us of puny pleasures and 
a fake freedom, the order of Genesis 1 is still blessed. And God's redeeming it. God rules over man as man rules over plants and animals. And God has a point to his purpose moving forward. All of this is created with a purpose. And there's a plan. And man plays a part in that plan. But what we like to do is make the plan about us. I want the plan about me. Serving my needs, serving my pleasures, uh, my own freedom. I want the plan to be about me. And, and that's what sin has come, uh, hampered our ability to see that God, he's got a plan. And when we function in his plan, the way he is intended for us to function, it's maximum blessing for us. It's, it's true freedom. We see in his order in Genesis 1, we also see variety. God's effort to take six distinct time frames when he really could have done it all in one day. You ever thought about that? If he's so powerful, why did it take him so long? Because he's patient in his creative process. He's patient and he wants, and now remember, that reveals something about his character. The order reveals his character. And it, it reveals the existence that we live in as we interact with him. So when we think that God's taking too long, Go back to Genesis 1, and he says, hey, I take my time on purpose. And we say, but it's uncomfortable. He says, I know, but I'm still here. He took time with each creative initiative to reveal his intentionality with each expression of his glory. Remember, as he's creating, it's one more expression of his glory. So a star in the night sky and a machine, a, a, an internal combustion engine that we so, we hate that our cars break, but the fact that somebody could put that together and figure it out, all of it is a revelation of God's glory. He's the one that gives the ideas, he's the one that allows the discovery of who he is, because he's a giving God. He's a self-revealing God, he wants us to know who he is. Therefore, God's glory is seen in various ways. There's variety that lets us know about God. We, we have colors, myriads of colors and the combinations that you put them all together. We have heights that when we go and reach those heights, we, we have a different perspective and an awe. There's depths of the oceans that a handful of people have plumbed. There are peaks and valleys. There are open plains and oceans. There are trees and starfish. There are gorillas and waterfalls. There are diamonds and there are ostriches, which is a, just a funny looking animal. But that's our God. He is the wise creator that displays his majesty with all of his creation. And variety reveals the facets of God's glory. He has not created everything the same. Nothing is monolithic. The variety that we see reveals the contours of God's character and the working of his plan, the working of his will. You know, we may have similar experiences with others in our walks with God, but every story is unique to the person that it happens to. We find others, especially in the body of Christ, we find others that might have the similar experience because we want to be comforted. And, and God promises as he comforts 
uh, those in the body. It's for the comfort that they can give to others to know that God is still for them and with them. But even if we find people with similar experiences, it's not the same experience. Because God's writing unique stories. You know, even twins don't look alike to the people who know them most. Twins, like, I, I don't know why this happens. Uh, I've been coaching Owen out at Pelican Park for the past couple years, and I have had sets of twins on teams. And I've got a set of twins now. I mean, thankfully on game day, they wear different jerseys. If they swap their jerseys, I'd really be in a mess because I wouldn't understand. Like, I'm trying to look at shoes, like what shoes. One of them wears a watch all the time. I can't tell them apart. So I give them a game ball. I'm like, which one is you? Okay, I'm trusting that you're not. <laughs> I, that I see the same person, but I know their mom doesn't see the same person. So even when we think things are the same, God creates difference that when, when you know it, you see the difference. He proclaimed in Isaiah 43, he proclaimed through Isaiah, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. You hear the, the intentionality, you hear the strategy. God is, he has created us for his glory, that we would shine with his glory, but more importantly, that we would experience his glory. And that's where the beauty comes in. The culmination of all God's creative acts in his creation of man and woman all, the culmination of God's creative acts is found in his creation of man and woman. You know, all the movement and flow of Genesis 1, uh, it crescendos with the creation of man and woman. He went from general creation to very specific creation, and he announced that he would make man, what? In his image. In his own image. But remember, he says, let us make man in our own image, there's something being, uh, being revealed about him. And his image is beautiful in its display. Thinking that a man standing alone reveals the glory of God, but doesn't reveal all the glory, a woman needs to be there as well to have the complete revelation that God wants us to have of himself. You know, uh, a lot of times it can, it can feel like, uh, especially when in, in one-parent homes, where uh, uh, a mom or, or a single dad would feel like the dad's not nurturing enough, so he needs to figure out how to nurture more. And the mom is like, I'm not, I'm not strong enough. I don't know what, I don't know the direction to raising a son and all of those confusing, confusing things. We have, to, we have to recognize how God puts that together. Now, God gives grace for both of those situations. And we've seen, we know people where he's given that grace. And the body of Christ is part of that grace that he gives to those. And we want to make ourselves available to those who are walking out. Uh, lives that, that don't have both components, especially the mom and dad components. But that's just a small example of how it's beautiful. God reveals himself with how a man is, is appearing and functioning and how a woman is appearing and functioning. Whether they're single or married, you see the glory of God. Now, we, we also see quite a bit of overlap in God's creative work. Things look similar, don't they? They look alike. And 
we say that creation has the mark of God because he is the creator. So how does his image distinguish man from all the other creative acts that he gave or that he brought into being? I think to answer this, God's image is understood in two ways, appearance and experience. So God's image is an appearance. He is triune, the triunity. God experienced, one God experienced in three persons. When he says, let us make man in our image. There's an introduction there into an experience of a relationship. That's the first time we have that God is just doing things everything before up to that point. And then he says, let us. And therefore, part of the purpose of man's design is to experience a personal relationship with God. He exists in relationship with himself. He has desires and he he deliberates over a will and a plan and doing that consideration and choices, morality is contemplative. He thinks deeply. These are characteristics that we share with God. In, in relationship. And as this functions, it's a beautiful thing. When God created woman out of man, there was an undeniable attraction that Adam had for Eve. When he says, that's woman, there's an excitement there. He sees his wife and he is attracted to her. He enjoys the love, knowledge, and friendship Within that existence, look, this is the experience of God's image. God is excited and loves. He enjoys the love and knowledge and friendship that he has within his own experience. And he's made man to enjoy that too. God created us to enjoy him. Our desires, choices, morality, and reflection of of his appearance are to be marked by God as his image bearers. Jonathan Edwards, a pastor in Massachusetts and and New Jersey in the 1700s, he wrote a book entitled, A Dissertation for the End for Which God Created the World. The end, what's the ultimate purpose that God created everything? You know what his conclusion was? To enjoy God. God gave himself to us in all of his created acts and he wants us to enjoy that and and the, the, the also the beauty of sending his son to redeem us so we can restore the image that we bear. As image bearers, we have capacity. No other created thing has. We have a capacity to enjoy God in a relationship with him. And there's a joy to that beauty When we experience a relationship with with God, we see his appearance, which draws us in for more experience. The basis for beauty of God is the wonder and awe of our relationship with him at all. That's what King David wanted. And when we went over this psalm, excuse me, earlier in the summer, Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing have I asked for the Lord that I seek after. One thing that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. What's the one thing that David wanted? A relationship with sovereign God. And, you know, beauty is about connection. 
When we are drawn to something, we, we feel this weird mysterious connection with what we think is beautiful. Or what, I would say, what we know to be beautiful. Because I know my wife to be beautiful, and, I, and I'm, I'm mysteriously connected to her only because why she ever decided to love me in return is just beyond my comprehension. That's the mystery of it. But my wife is beautiful, and I can say that because she's not here and won't get embarrassed. That connection is a, with other things too, is a soul-deep experience. This is why some people love the beach and other people love the mountains. We're connected to that. We feel, we feel something about being there and there's, whether it's we're just more relaxed or we enjoy the beauty of a, a sunset. I'm a beach guy, so I love the sunset on the beach. And when we put that together, I can't explain why that is, but I think that's beautiful. And there's a connection there. So we are connected. The beauty is a connection. And the connection is to function, is a function of our relationships. When we are connected to God, we see his beauty. When we see his beauty, when we see his wisdom and his power and his glory, we're connected to him. It's a beautiful dance that happens where we see him and we, we want more of him and then we experience that, that appearance where we see the beauty is also wrapped up in the experience that we have of God as God. And it's wonderful that he brings us into that. So what is our response to this? Praise. Acceptable worship. That's what how, the hymn that we sang this morning, uh, How Great Thou Art does that, then sings my soul. I, 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 here's the glory of God and the enormity of God. So then my response is, then sings my soul. God, you're great. And we should be saying that. With our words, with our actions, with our attitudes, everything, we should extol his greatness. Psalm 118, 28. You are my God and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. I will praise. There is, there's very little that we can... Uh, do in life and, and not praise. We can't walk a few steps and recognize that God's with us and not praise him. We praise him. And so that's our, that's our acceptable worship, our acceptable response. So praise, but also stewardship. There is a role that we are to steward and we'll open up uh, the stewardship component of this series as we walk through the commissioned part of it. There's a stewardship. We, we are to steward nature because we rule over it. We are to also steward relationships. We steward the light and the life that God has given and commanded for a purpose. So we look at others and know that they have dignity and worth and value. And that, that's, that's in the social justice component. That's also in marriages. Husband and wife need to recognize you have dignity and value and worth beyond any of my comprehension because God created you. And that's what, that's what we offer to others in our relationships with the, with the unbeliever. We offer them to know God created you for the context of relationship with Him. I know you're chasing relationships everywhere else and the experiences that you're thinking are going to bring freedom. But listen, God, God created you to experience Him in a relationship and when you're connected to him, you'll experience the beauty that you long for as well. 
So our purpose today, church, is to praise Him. That's what we do. We praise God for His creative acts, bringing us out of nothing and breathing the breath of life into us so we could know Him. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank You that we have an opportunity to reflect upon You and I pray that our hearts are lifted. I pray that our souls find that, that deep connection with you. And God, we also uh, we, we want that deep connection and to see your exaltation, to see your beauty, and to experience your glory as you experience it within yourself. You welcome us into that through Christ and made it possible. Thank you. God, help us do that with our praise. Help us do that with our prayers. Help us do that in time in your word. Help us relate to you through the power of your spirit. And God, help us walk out the intended purpose that you have for each one of us so we can experience the maximum blessing that you are. Thank you.